2: Hello and welcome to the Esports Biz Show. I'm your host, Justin Jacobson. This week we'll be discussing esports shoutcasters and hosts. Just as a disclaimer, nothing here is intended as legal advice as all of our information is for educational purposes only. This week's guest is Rob Reforge Gonzalez. Rob is the CEO of Reforge Studios, an on-air esports personality, HyperX ambassador and a content producer for Team Liquid. He's also an executive producer for UMG Gaming and has acted as a caster for many top esports and gaming events, including the recent Ultimate Gaming League Player Draft. Thanks for joining us.
3: No, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be able to come by and hang out with you and, and talk business, you know, because most of the time when we talk, it's just on the cell phone. It's, you know, not something that people can kind of listen into and maybe apply to some of the things that they're doing.
2: Yes, sir. You know, it's definitely, you know, a really interesting conversation. You've, you know, worked on some amazing stuff. So let's, you know, kind of get into it. So tell us a little about your past esports and gaming experience. You know, first, what was the first game you played?
3: So, you know, I'm, a, I'm an old head in this business. So, uh, you know, a lot of these cats are, you know, 20, 24, 25, maybe 30. So I'll be 41 next month. So when I first started in the this, you know, the video game side of things, I was like, a little kid playing Atari, you know, Pac-Man in my basement, (laughs) like haunted house in my basement, uh, my grandmom's house, uh, you know, one stick two, you know, one button hanging out. So it was, uh, you know, and I'm the oldest in my family. So, you know, my brothers and sisters really weren't old enough to play with me. So I was just like, that was what I did. And, uh, you know, through time, obviously I've been able to have like, you know, most of the systems been able to save up. And cause even as like a poor kid, it was like, you know, save up your money eventually you'll be able to get it so you know i was able to get like a nintendo i was able to get a super nintendo and then like a nintendo 64 as time went on and so uh, i've been gaming for a long time and uh but on the business side of things it's a little different um you know i started like i guess as a gamer when it comes to like magic the gathering that's was the f- like the first real competitive game i played when i was about 13 Did you play years the old trading card just- one or just the online digital one. Oh, oh, sweet child sweet child oh uh, so you were double dipping digital digital did not exist when i started <laughs> so the comp- i mean to be fair when i first started we were still you know cell phones weren't even around um so let's get remember we gotta put this into uh you know the timeline so uh when i first started playing we're talking 1993 so 93 we were uh coming into you know p- pagers pay phones
2: <laughs> like, i mean i had a pager you know i don't know if i'll admit that but i definitely had my little pager
3: yeah you know so uh you know so when i first started there was like the internet was like not really that big of a thing um so it was the first time i saw magic cards was at a cafeteria uh at my high school and i was you know i was a young high schooler so when i was a freshman uh, i was only like 13 years old and you know it's like you're like a little kid, you know, so you're just trying to find a, a place to be people to, you know, share your, you know, your hobbies and what you like. So I, uh, you know, just happened to find somebody who was playing with some cards in a cafeteria and I looked at it and I was like, these look sweet. That looks like a demon. And he was like, it is a demon. I was like, sold. <laughs> so um, and that kind of led me down the road of, you know, all the way till today. I've been playing magic since then till, you know. Uh, anytime I can get a hold of some cards. So 28 years now, um, and, and I've loved it the whole time. I mean, I've gone from being a professional, being able to travel around the world, Uh, you know, been to be able to go to like Spain and Canada and Japan and Mexico and a bunch of other places uh, to be able to play Magic, and and now I'm more on the casual side. Uh, I don't really try to qualify for the Pro Tour. I mean, it takes a lot of time and effort and skills, and me being an old guy. I don't have you know I got to practice more. Got to spend more time. I'm not naturally as good as I was when I was younger. And uh but now it's more along the lines of just having fun watching my friends uh having them be able to compete do well and I stay in my own lane now and that lane is esports. So.
2: Well yeah, before we get into that so what makes someone good at Magic the Gathering? You know, I definitely had I didn't actually play the game, but I definitely had the cards and <laughs> you know watch other people play the game.
3: Yeah, well so what makes you good at magic is very much like the same things that make you good at a game like chess. Um, you have to know where you're going. So future planning is, uh, is very important. Um, it's also, you have to, it, like I said, just like chess, you have to know the openings. You have to know what's possible, what's not possible. What are your outs in, in, in chess, it's much easier to understand where your outs are and those kind of things, because, uh, All the moves are known. You can look at a board and know what what, every move that is possible that turn. Whereas in Magic, there's a lot of hidden information. So being able to recognize the situation because you've been in it before, because you've practiced, and gives you a leg up. Um, It also is very important to know what are the possibilities that your opponent may have, and once you can kind of narrow those down, I mean that is really what separates. Uh, the decent people at magic from the experts like an expert can look at the board and look at what the opponents played the whole game and pretty much have an idea of okay this is how many outs they have and they then they start playing the percentages like poker you know there's a 12% chance that my opponent may have this card that destroys my whole board okay am I ready to push it all in right now based on that information and is it correct Or, or do I wait which may increase the chance that they go ahead and get to this particular out but if they do happen to have it already I don't automatically lose. So that's I mean I use the same principles in in business, you know, it's like sometimes if you're presenting numbers to a client and you present numbers that are too crazy, like you might just get laughed out and never even get a chance to have a uh, a second presentation of numbers, but you also don't want to sell yourself short. So you have to kind of play the numbers like okay, well if I tell them I want $700,000, they're probably going to laugh me out and I'm done. But if I don't ask for enough, then I'm going to cost myself a certain amount of money. So it's those are the same kind of principles that apply to being a good magic player.
2: Okay. That makes sense. So, you know, we'll kind of shift a little bit to, you know, esports and, you know, the gaming side of things. So you kind of, how'd you kind of get in first into commentating and casting?
3: Yeah. So it's funny because I, kind of got into it, I want to say accidentally. Um, I was playing Magic and I wanted to do a podcast because I had some friends who, you know, really good friends of mine who we all played Yes,
2: are awesome, right? Yeah, you know, Viewers,
3: I mean, listeners. It's just where you start, you know, start with the practice of being able to talk. And so I uh, I'd always loved to do speech and debate when I was like in high school and things like that. And so doing a podcast was like, okay, it's easy. You get to be with my friends. Doesn't really cost us any money, any time. I mean, it will cost time, but like we were gonna be talking about magic anyway. So, like, what what does matter? So so we started a podcast called MTG Focus, and we just kind of put our time and energy and I was able to get some sponsors and you know, and it was it wasn't bad. And got embroiled in some controversy here and there, like always. And uh but then I heard about a game called Artifact. And one of my friends was like, Hey, you need to go go to PAX. Go check this out. They're giving away, you know, these keys if you can get in, and yada yada, and you get into the beta, and it's supposed to be like the next big thing, and it's designed by Richard Garfield, the same guy who designed magic. And this is your thing. So, all right, just sight unseen. I bought a ticket to uh where was it, Seattle, and uh just flew there, rented a camera so I could do some content, and that kind of started everything off because I was one of the only people who had content of the game, because everyone else was just there waiting in line and like i was there with a you know a 4k camera over people's shoulders recording gameplay and i basically just did that for four days um at pax west um and from there made made a lot of friends with people i didn't know were even famous <laughs> so it was like you know all these people who were in the dota community who were like because that's what the game's based on for people who don't know what artifact is um made a bunch of friends with them, and again, I had no idea they were famous, and so I just made friends with people and it makes it a lot easier when you 're just networking and you don 't know the level of uh person you 're kind of talking to so from there, I got invited to be in the beta uh for artifact and I just played all the time, did a lot of content and um that 's how I got picked up for doing content with Team Liquid. I did you know like uh walkthroughs and draft strategies and those kind of things for artifact. And uh, that was like my real first forte, I guess, like into uh, what was supposed to be an (laughs) eSport. But Artifact ended up dying. Um,
0: But somebody uh, overseas at WePlay, which is a a huge. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. uh,
3: organization that does, uh, uh, events for games like Dota and Counter-Strike and those kind of things. And they were doing one for Artifact and they hired me to be a host and I'd never been a host beyond my own podcast, but, uh, you know, why not? They're going to pay for my hotel and my flight and my food and all this other stuff and fly me across the world. Let's go for it. So, uh, did that for 10 days as the host. And it was just like, that was it, man. I had a taste of what it was like to be in front of the camera and to be a host and talk about games and have a good time. And I decided right then that I was going to leave my six-figure finance job and
1: try to make this thing work. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. With the Credit Karma Money Spend Account, you can be rewarded for good money habits.
2: Awesome. So yeah, so I'm going to tease out some of that stuff because, you know, there's a lot of really interesting points there. And I think, you know, the biggest thing that you mentioned, and it really kind of led you on the path you described, is the advice that I give to a lot of people where it's like, oh, I want to do it. Just do it. Like, I'm just going to buy a ticket and I'm going to go and I'm gonna bring my camera and who knows what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But too many people I feel like waste time and think about it and plan and oh, I'm going to do this and talk about what they're going to do. But the people that just do it, they put yourself in the position, you start having these conversations, you start just building it on your own, and eventually someone sees what you're doing and they take notice of it. And then with the next thing, with the hosting, it was like, never done it before, but when else do you get experience if not by doing? And it just kind of gives an example to our listeners of how you really have to operate in these, especially entertainment and talent and these fun worlds that esports and gaming is. You just have to be about it and you just have to do it and engage with it because you have no idea what's going to happen. No. And I think that that's a really important lesson that you've kind of brought up as this is what happens. Look at where you are now.
3: Yeah. And I think the big thing here is I'm, I am probably the poster child for that um, because not only did i have to take a risk to you know buy a ticket and do this kind of stuff and go to PAX West and hope to try, to try to meet people and see what happens then it was the same thing for you know if i didn't do that and then i didn't just start making content then team liquid doesn't see that you know and then i don't get that opportunity and then the same thing when i went out to WePlay and uh, was a host for them you know after it was over i was like hey you know if you liked me you should hire me again let's do dota let's do that let's do it in february let's run it back no big deal and then bam they hired me to be the host of their Dota event the next month and that's like unheard of there's only like you know in Dota there's really only like maybe a, a couple of hosts there's not even really a couple anymore now it's just shiver shiver's like really the only host like there used to be like rich would do some stuff every so often but rich like doesn't really even play Dota um rich campbell and then um you know there that was pretty much it, <laughs> it was like paul chanelier you know he also was a uh, host but then he you know basically slit his own throat with his own words and actions so it's just essentially shiver and uh so i got hired to be a host um with them and the only reason that that happened is because i pushed it i was like look just give me a chance you saw how i could do this i can do more just let's just keep running with it and uh and when i got home from the first trip uh i heard there was an opportunity to do commentary uh for Fortnite at an event in new york i live in new mexico Okay. (laughs) So I was like, whatever, I just need to get in front of the camera. I just need more at bats. And if more people see me, I know I'll get more work. And so I did the ECAC for, uh, their, uh, their, it was like a, it was like an event, like a convention type thing, but it was the finals for Fortnite. We did that from there. Somebody from CSL saw me, they hired me to do their CSL grand finals for Fortnite. And then that turned into a really kind of long relationship with CSL where I did their Magic the Gathering weekly. I did League of Legends for them. Um, and just a lot of different things happened with CSL. Uh, so, yeah, it's just like you just got to keep trying. And it's the same thing for HyperX. Like they, the people over at the uh, HyperX Esports uh, Arena needed a caster for PUBG. Um, I knew enough about PUBG to be a caster. I showed up. I found out that this event was going to be like... Uh, shown on TVS Azteca, which is like this huge, uh, like Latin America, uh, Latin America channel. <laughs> and I, I had no idea. This is like one of my first times I've really done anything. And it's just this huge event. And then they liked me and then they hired me to be the host of the HyperX eSports truck. So it's just like, there's just so many things that I never really applied for. I was just like, just ask, you know, like it was no public hey, we need a person here or a person there. It was just like I was in the right place at the right time and which people will be like, oh, well, you're very lucky. And I'm like, yeah, well, I am lucky, but I had to put myself in that position to be lucky. Like if I wasn't out there grinding every day and like wasn't on LinkedIn every day trying to make connections over and over and over again, this would never happen. I wouldn't get the opportunity to work with people like Fox Sports or to work with Phase Clan or Team Liquid or any of these people because this is literally just all-day, everyday networking.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think you kind of just, you know, hit it right on the head with that, where it's like you have to start doing it. And as you start doing these things, you develop these relationships. And a lot of these companies, especially very early on, they want someone that they know what they're going to get from them, that they're professional and they're on time. And they don't have to worry about you saying the wrong thing. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's sometimes much more important to these kind of brands, especially at this higher level. Than anything else is someone that they know is going to deliver on what they need in the price range and in the time frame that they need, and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't realize that. And you know, your story kind of proves it.
3: Yeah, like I mean, I get, (laughs) I get hired a lot simply because I am a known quantity. You know, like they know if they hire Rob, it's going to come with a certain level of professionalism. If I'm a host. It'll come with a certain level of joking, but they know that I'll know what I'm talking about. If it's a play-by-play, they know I'm going to be hype. They know I'm going to be excited. That's just who I am. And if they hire me on the production side, they know what they're going to get. And I think that's really important because there's a lot of people out here who want to do this. And no matter what level you're at, there's always somebody behind you who wants to do what you're doing, period. doesn't matter if you're a golden boy if you're sheever if you're anybody who's big time there's always somebody right behind you who wants to do what you're doing they want your bag period and for me that's how i even got started with my studio it was like you know i was booking all these deals my first year i booked like 36 different events i was like self book let's do this who needs an agent i'm just, i'm do this myself and um but then i also saw that there's a lot of opportunities like i could never get like as it just self-booking, trying to get into like some of these really big organizations was just tough. Like you needed an agent who was going to be able to get you in the door in some places. And so I said, okay, well, what if I just start my own studio and then do my own events and then I can book myself or I can you know just, there's a lot of stuff. Not everybody can do that. Not everybody's got, you know, 50 grand in the, in the well, bank. Yeah,
2: tell us a little about that, you know, kind of, you know, why you started and some of the work you're doing over
3: there. Yeah. Like, I mean, essentially it just, after, uh, like that first year, um, I had been doing a lot of stuff in the hyper X truck, which was really good. It was almost like weekly or every other week I was booked like four or five days and traveling around the country, having a good time, dealing with audiences, doing play by play, doing like post Malone concert, like all this crazy stuff. And then that kind of started drying up because they weren't, booking as many events it's just you know natural slowdown whatever and i was just thinking man i am so dependent on some of these companies to uh, you know basically be able to hire me and they don't have they don't have any reason beyond me just being good they don't have any loyalty to me they could just tell me the next day that we're not going to use you and that happened like i was told like you know hey we were i was working a fortnight event in long island everything was golden and it was cherry And they told me, "Hey, yeah, we're going to do L.A. next week. Great. I'm ready to do L.A. And then, like, you know, the day I'm leaving New York, like, oh, hey, by the way, um, yeah, we're not going to do L.A. Or we're not sure who's doing L.A. And I'd literally done every event on the HyperX truck since, you know, for like last, like, at that point, probably like six months. So needless to say, I was like, okay. And it was just like a shock, you know, it's like, okay, I got to wake up. I got to remember that nothing of, none of this is promised to me, no matter how good I'm doing, no matter how many accolades you get, like their, their responsibility is to their business. And I realized, okay, well maybe I need to do my own business. And so I talked to my wife about it. I said, let's open our own little studio. Um, it, it, here's what it's going to cost. And she was like, let's go for it. You know, you've already been down this route, (laughs) you know, like, you know, we already took a chance on, you know, basically a lot less previous. So, you know, she was totally behind it. And then so we started Reforge Studios um, here in Albuquerque, just a little 800 square foot office with myself and then my technical director, Carrie, who really helped me to understand so much of like the camera work and lighting and setting and all this other stuff. He's just so awesome at it. And we just started producing stuff and we closed, uh, our first, like our first client, which was UMG and UMG is not the same as UGL, but UMG, um, which is owned by engine media. You know, we started doing a, um, a talk show for them that was at the time three days a week. And then that ended up turning into four days a week and that ended up turning into like 125 episodes. Uh, so, and you know, we just started doing more stuff from there. You know, um, we obviously, in addition to our uh, our show that we did for them on their new show we did like a um NBA 2K show which is how i met you uh we did a uh, fall guys show we did a madden or a magic the gathering show um we did a uh what do you call it like a um a show match for team liquid and rochester institute of technology just so like a lot of Interesting things happen from there. And uh so we kind of grew out of that space and now we're in like a twelve hundred and fifty square foot space, bigger studio. Um, now we've got our technical director, we've got our, you know, video editor, we've got, you know, writer, we've got like a lot of cool stuff going on and have gotten to work with even bigger clients, you know. It's like getting able to work with like DraftKings and Venn and uh just you know, Fox Sports, those like those are things that you wouldn't be able to expect or to like In my case, like, you know, on a random Saturday, like, or a random Sunday, oh, hey, I'm hanging out with Marshawn Lynch and Stoop Dog and Marcus Peters and all these famous people like Keenan Allen walks by me. And I'm like, that was Keenan Allen. Okay. (laughs) Like, so, you know, not everybody can just, you know, up and spend all the money it takes to build a studio. But the point is, what I'm saying is that like, you don't also want to be so afraid, you know, scared money don't make no money is how I've always grown up. And I don't want to take, you know, uncalculated risks, but everything that you do in business is a risk. And we've been successful to this point, but that doesn't mean that we still don't have to just work our ass off in order on both sides now. So now it's not only do I have to work to book the studio, I still got to work, work to book myself. And I don't forget that. And, you know, I grew up with really not much. Um, uh, we were at one point homeless. I'm the oldest of four. Uh, and my mom was a single mom. I didn't have all that stuff. I didn't have a car (laughs) when I was in high school. Barely had a car when I was about to get out of college. So those, I didn't like have a house of my own until I bought one. So I just, I appreciate everything that we have today, and I want to work hard to keep it. And I'm not going to let anybody stop me from doing that.
2: Awesome. I mean, I think that's, you know, an amazing message. And tell me a little about the studio. So is it do you, what do you kind of film there? How does it work? Is it all digital? Do you actually have people like in live, in studio recording stuff?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, at one point, obviously pre-COVID, uh, we were looking at some local talent that we had and we were going to film it all uh, in studio. And then like COVID happened and then like that kind of went by the wayside. Uh, but the way we have it set up now is we're getting, ramping it back up so that when COVID is over we can do more stuff in studio that's why i moved to the bigger space is so that we can have like our studio desk which we have so we can have like a lounge kind of like area where we can do more casual uh, shoots of things so yeah this is like a this is a full studio this is you know we've got a bunch of you know black magic 4k's here we've got the full jib we've got our lighting and stuff in the ceiling and we've got a bunch of cool like uh, like flat screen TVs in our studio, make it kind of look like the Twitch rival studio. We've got our production office. We have my office, it, you know, and well, you can, you're always welcome to come down, you know, get, so make sure you get that East vaccine
2: seem like in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You know, I'm, I'm only familiar with, you know, New Mexico through breaking bad. That's, that's all you need. Uh, that's, <laughs> right. That is there some Los Pollos Hermanos over there? That's right.
3: Los Pollos Hermanos is Twister's burritos here. Um, so, and the, the place where they're, uh, their car wash, I get my car wash there every day, pretty much. <laughs> so, um, but no, like it's not so much about the scene of esports in Albuquerque because Albuquerque is a small town, like, I mean, well, small city. Uh, we do, you know, for me, it's all about my networking, it's all about people I know and being able to build those contacts. And we do everything remotely for those customers. Like, so we could do stuff in studio again once COVID is um, more under control. Uh, and I would love to do more of that stuff. So, but as for now, everything is either done completely remotely, uh, or we have, we have like a virtual studio. We work with live CGI, uh, on their virtual studio stuff and and do things, uh, with them. But yeah, like I can do pretty much, you know, what I see the big boys doing, uh, because the biggest difference between what I do and some of the stuff that they do is they got really nice motion graphics. And, uh, so I have to hire out for that. I don't have a motion graphics guy in house, but uh, you know, we're looking to be able to do those same kind of things and that scale. And w- again, once we can have, um, you know, a full team in the office again, it'll be really good because we, I mean, Netflix has like a multi-billion dollar, uh, uh, building like our like I don't even know what to call it. Building's not even a good enough word like a, uh, I was going to say plantation, but it's kind there's of like, <laughs> it's a huge complex that they're building here. So there's a lot of, and we do a lot of movies in New Mexico. So lots of uh, talent here to be able to help us put together some really nice productions.
2: Okay. Awesome. Well, you know, as I mentioned recently, you were, you know, one of the hosts for the ultimate gaming leagues Mm -hmm. draft. So tell us a little about the draft and then, you know, the league in general.
3: Yeah. So the UGL is a idea of making sure that we have our like celebrity athletes who are gamers And merging them with our amateur gaming community. And what it means is it's like the first time where you can have this like overlap of NFL players who want to be owners. And they have their own franchises like their esports franchise. And then they pick players from the pool of available people in our community to be playing Madden. So we have four games, Madden, FIFA, 2K, and Call of Duty. And each one of those games is worth a certain amount of points each week. And one team competes against another team each week. And then we do the playoffs, but they pick the players from their team from our amateur pool of players. And it's a really cool thing for those players to be able to interact with some of our celebrities like Chad Cinco and Marshawn Lynch and Sidney Jones and, you know, just Max Crosby, like a lot of really cool NFL guys. Um, and it's just a really neat idea. Um, because not only is there this gaming portion of the UGL, but there's a lot of community backing to this. Like, we want to make sure that not we're we're not here just to be like, oh, because nobody's getting rich off of this, but we do want to be able to help the community. Uh, one of the things that Josh Johnson, who is uh, one of the owners in Defam, you know, his big mission is to be able to help the communities that we all live in, be able to maybe build gaming centers, be able to have uh, classes on credit or classes on how to build wealth or those kind of things and really give back to the community and educate kids in a way that we weren't able to get that same kind of education. So it's not just about, I mean, cause we do have fun in a league. I mean, there's no doubt when you have people like Chad Ochoa in house, like <laughs> it's, it's going to be funny, but we also want to make sure that we're helping these communities, giving them the tools uh, to be successful. And some people will use it and some won't, but we want to make sure that the, the kids who do want to use it, that they can come to us and we can give them that kind of guidance, give them internships, maybe in the studio, show them how to work in front of the camera, behind the camera or whatever. Um, but it's all about just helping the community as best we know how, and not just being another company that takes from it.
2: So how do people kind of get involved to be potential, you know, in, in this kind of community?
3: Yeah, it's easy. Uh, You just go to uglworld.com. And from there, you can see the different um, teams and different organizations. You can join the Discord. And then when you join the Discord, you can find out when we do our next free agent tournament. And then you just jump in and make a name for yourself, win one of the tournaments. And then maybe one of these teams will pick you up as a free agent, or maybe you'll be in the draft pool for season two. Because right now, we have four teams, but we're looking hopefully to be on eight or 16 teams for next season. And we're going to do two seasons a year. And then in between those seasons, we do a lot of one-off events. Like we did the UGL versus the uh, Gangster Gaming League, which is Snoop Dogg's uh, Madden uh, organization. And that's why we all went together to go meet over at the compound over in uh, in L.A. with Snoop and his folks and had a good time. And we're going to continue to do more events like that in the future. So, you know, we just want to make sure that the athletes are having a good time, our esports people are having a good time, and... We're just going to rinse and repeat that until and keep growing uh, if the franchise.
2: So are like former pros or like what's kind of the cutoff of the skill level?
3: I mean, it's literally. I mean, if
2: like could a former pro like let's sure. say an NBA two K or Madden pro like could they come and join? Absolutely. If
3: they have to go, they don't get to skip the line, so they would have to go through the free agent process, which is essentially joining one of the tournaments and then they have to finish in the top four. If they finish in the top four of the tournament, then they get added to our free agent pool and then. They can be picked up by uh, you know whichever team has waiver priority that week. So yeah, like it could be. I mean, most of the people who are pros currently, um, you know, probably have a contract that would prevent them from playing in another league. But uh, definitely, you know, we are open to anybody—man, woman, child, whatever. We have people who are like 13 who are in our free agent pool up to age 47. So you know, all skill levels are um, invited. But obviously, you just have to prove. But, you know, to prove your worth through the tournaments and the cream will rise to the top.
2: Amazing. I think that's, you know, a really great opportunity to kind of give anyone who can kind of go through this process the opportunity to actually shine and be spotlighted by these different, you know, professional athletes.
3: Yeah, I mean, and you don't get that opportunity in other places. Like, if you are really good at League of Legends, I mean, there's probably no chance that you are going to play in the LCS. <laughs> like, it's just... It's like playing in the NFL and it is a very, very small percentage of those people who do that. And we want to kind of be that stepping stone. It's like, okay, let's say you're really good at call of duty. You come to the UGL, you do really well. And then maybe you end up on content in the contenders league for call of duty league. And then maybe from contenders, you end up being a pro who knows. Uh, but we want to give people that shine, give them the opportunity to hang out have a good time, but also be competitive. Cause obviously Our teams are competitive. They want to win. Our owners are competitive. I mean, I want to win. I'm not even an owner in one of the uh, franchises, but I, I, I can feel that. So, you know, it's just the idea of being able to have like this American Idol kind of thing where it's like, hey, we found an unknown person. They killed it in our league. They moved on and we'll support them from there.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, you know, definitely a great new path that you guys are creating. So I'm excited to see where the league goes from here.
3: Yeah. And I mean, it was nice having Aman on and uh, he, Aman and uh, Shane Vereen came on for our draft and we, you know, we just had a good time just talking about what it's like to be an NFL star, what it's like to be, you know, in esports and be a coach or what ownership is like. So, you know, they felt that, they felt that idea of, hey, I'm a gamer who's also been a professional athlete. This sounds interesting.
2: Awesome. So, so I also noticed that you stream and, you know, something I've been noticing a <laughs> lot is doing these Pokemon card openings. So you'll mm-hmm. tell me a little more about this. How do you decide what you're going to stream?
3: So for me, uh, because I do most of my stuff on the production side, I don't stream that often. And but I love opening cards. I mean, that's just from being a little kid opening magic cards. And till today, it's like I op- right now I've been opening a lot of Pokemon cards just because Pokemon is, is pretty hot it's hard to get a hold of cards and i have some connections that help me get a hold of some of that stuff but uh i mean this week has all been pokemon stuff on my youtube channel and then next week we're going to do some obviously we'll do some more pokemon stuff but we're going to do some really sweet basketball stuff we've got some nba hoops that i'm getting in we're getting some uh panini revolution basketball in so you know i love just the the thrill of opening something and maybe there's like a 10,000 dollar card in it or something crazy and uh it's just it's kind of a fun thing to do on my own and i mean who doesn't love collectibles you know who doesn't love the chance of, it's like playing the lottery except with uh lottery tickets that happen to play basketball or something like that that's what really drives me to like things like nba top shot and nfts i just love collectibles and uh, i love the thrill of winning
2: yeah i mean i definitely see where that is and you know, I definitely am frantically looking for my Pokemon cards, but I, I don't <laughs> know. It's, it's definitely going to be a, a tough sledding here.
3: Oh, yeah. Like trying to get Pokemon cards at uh, Target or Walmart, you can forget that. Like you have to either be insanely lucky or just out of your mind, ready to fight people uh, who are waiting in line. It's just an it, it is war out there for Pokemon cards. So I don't do that. I just try to pre-order everything and uh, – get it delivered to the house because I'm not going to be getting up at like six o'clock in the morning and waiting at, in the front of uh Walmart for the store to open on the off chance that they might have something that day. That's I'm too old for that. <laughs>
2: yeah, no, I mean, I definitely am still trying to secure my PS five, but oh, man, I, I you're
3: don't
2: abilities to do what some people do.
3: You slacking? And yeah, there's no excuse for you not having a PS five at this point. Like I'll have to help. Okay, I'll have yeah, to edge man. Look, I have to to educate you, because I was the PS5 plug this year, so I've definitely been through like 20 PS5s, (laughs) like at least, just from trying to help my friends.
2: I I see where I'm I'm on the list, I'm now near 25 or 30. Listen, you never
3: told me you wanted a PS5, I thought you had one, I, I literally just had one two days ago. So like, yes, okay. being able to my, before I get yeah. actually
2: angry? Let's, let's get back focused on this <laughs> right here. So what do you like
3: most about casting and commentating? Dude, I, I just love the idea of getting paid to talk about video games, bro. Like that is the dream. I mean, for me, the, the I mean the true dream for me would be able to be able to do like traditional sports to do like football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, any of that stuff. Uh, but eSports is like the next best thing. It's exciting. It's fun. You get to hang out with your friends and yell at the camera and laugh and just tell these cool stories. It's just an amazing time. And I really just wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, I had a really good job in finance previous to this life, but this is, you know, it's just every day is awesome. And I'm not going to sugarcoat that any which way. It is really just awesome to be able to work full time in esports even though most of my work now is on the back end, um, the the times that I do get to be in front of camera and, and go at it, I'm, I'm loving it. So what do you say like the hardest part of your job is? It's research. I mean, that's, that is the hard part. It's, if you don't have just like one game that you do, like if you do just Apex and that's only game you cast, it's the only game you play. Well, it's not hard. It's, I mean, that's, that's easy. Uh, but when you're, available for like 10 different games and trying to stay up on all the games and and know the strategy and know all this stuff that's a whole nother ball of wax like that's why you have to give it up for guys like golden boy who are like doing play-by-play in like you know he's like oh i guess i can do apex and i'll do valorant and i'll do whatever it doesn't matter what it is you put golden boy in front of it and he's going to bring the energy he's going to bring the time and that's really like when i first started he was somebody who you know, talk to me and said, Hey, here's what you need to do. And here's what you need to focus on. And, you know, and I just kind of emulated what he was saying, um, and took it to heart and just try to get better every day. And again, and work like somebody's trying to take your job because they are. <laughs> and if you do that and you prep, I mean, sometimes you're going to have bad shows. That's just the way it is. Like I mean, you can't, can't get around that. But if you work hard and you really prep correctly, it's really hard to have a bad show.
2: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I definitely can see that. And it's one of those things where that's what sets the good casters from the great ones and people mm-hmm. that kind of have this extra level of insight and analytics related to the game.
3: Yeah, that's it. I mean, the, you're just going to learn how to prep. And I mean, I think a lot of people don't really know what that's like. And I was, again, very fortunate to work with somebody like Sheever who kind of showed me the way on like how to prep as a host, like how to take notes how to read from them, what to use, when not to use them. Like those are the kind of things that there's no class, you know, you don't see that unless you're there like working with them or seeing somebody like golden boy work or, um, you know, seeing people like Veli work. Uh, there's just a lot. I mean, um, uh, uh, Lottie is another example of somebody who like is just awesome at what they do. And it's just, when you can just see how they work, you can just kind of emulate the things that, you think that can fit into your repertoire and then other things, you know, you have to work on and we're always working. We're always getting better. They're always adding new vocabulary, little nuances to what you do because you want to be like these other people, but you don't really want to be them. You know, you're always going to be you, but you want to make sure that you bring a certain level of professionalism, uh, to the table and a certain level of entertainment to the table in your own way. And if you can do that, that's what will set you apart and that's, what will get you booked.
2: Okay. So, you know, what's like probably your most memorable professional accomplishment. Something that just kind of always really sticks out to you.
3: Um, I mean, I think being able to work with, uh, with Fox sports on the Madden challenge that they ran because it was like myself, Rachel Benetta, and Chris Myers. And I've heard, you know, I'm like, I'm 40, I'll be 41 next month. I've heard Chris Myers do so much in sports like my whole life to be able to like, you know, he like calls me on my cell phone and is like, hey, Rob, you know, this is what we're doing tomorrow. And here I had a couple of questions about this and yada, yada, yada. We'll have a good show. And it just like blows my mind because it's somebody who's who's like has like this iconic voice and has been interviewed so many super famous people in the space and being able to like prep with that kind of person. Same thing for Rachel. Rachel's on her way up and she's doing big things over at Fox. And just to be in, you know, in cahoots with them for a little while, even if it's just for a day, uh, doing uh Madden commentary. It's great. So you know, it's one thing to be on Twitch, another thing like that. But it's another thing when it's like, yo, I was on Fox Sports doing Madden with like super famous people who like are really doing this job. So, you know, just for me, I'm always about You know, the opportunities that really stick with me are the opportunities where I really got to learn a lot. And that was definitely uh, one of those times where I could really just take away a lot from the people who are doing what I want to do.
2: Right. As they say, there's levels to this. And, you know, that's one of these top levels where you're having people whose job is to be a sports broadcaster, providing this level of sophistication Mm -hmm. and experience to eSports.
3: Yeah. And you're seeing how they prep. I mean, I think like, I can't really emphasize it enough is how people prep and how people get ready for a show is really m- almost more important than what even what you see that comes out. I'm sure that Stephen A. Smith and some of these other big guys just go just deep on the research end so that they know what they're talking about. And that's how I've prepped it, you know, on my side is like I know that my worst show in the world was one of the ones that I did the least amount of prep work for. And then from that day on I never ever went without doing at least 20 hours of prep work for a show ever.
2: Okay. So, you know, what kind of tips do you have for aspiring casters? I obviously do a lot of prep work, but yep. <laughs> what else?
3: So the big thing that I would tell you as an aspiring caster is you have to get reps, you have to get at bats. And, you know, there's this big controversy that you see on like Twitter and on the internet. Oh, should you work for free and things like that? And, you know, I'm not telling you that you should be trying to take a bunch of stuff for free. I'm not telling you that. Do I think that it makes sense sometimes to maybe do a one-off thing that may not pay because you think it's going to give you an opportunity to meet somebody or it's going to be good for your reel or those kind of things? I don't have a problem with that. Like I know plenty of people who, you know, they stream. They don't make any money streaming. They still I do mean, it.
2: People do that. And I think that's one thing that people need to learn in this entertainment driven world. Yeah. I mean,
3: I, I think that it's important to, you know, know your worth at some point. And I also think in the beginning, it's, it's nice just to get some at-bats. It just really is like, I can say that I was very fortunate to be able to get hired essentially sight unseen, um, to be part of a broadcast that had like, you know, 50,000 concurrent viewers. That's not real. That's not like everybody doesn't get that, you know, (laughs) like, so, and if I had to do it over again, I would obviously do that. But I would also, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to if somebody said, Hey, you know, are you interested in doing xyz like for example like i did a show for um dota underlords uh for allied one time and i didn't i didn't get paid to do that like i just did it because i was trying to build a relationship with their european branch i was hosting the hyperx truck which is obviously like was you know a very good job and i just wanted to do right by the guys who gave me a chance like and then also get in front of some european audiences and it worked fine. Like I was able to turn that into doing some other opportunities with like TFT later on and things like that. So I don't advise people to take jobs unpaid just to take them. Like you have to have a game plan. You have to say like, how is this helping me? Like, who is this putting me in front of? Or like, what is this doing for me? Like, don't just do it to do it. Make sure that you do have a game plan and you have an end game to where you want to be.
2: Yeah, man, I totally agree with that. I think that's, you know, some top quality advice because at the end of the day, you no one's just going to let you cast something if you've never cast before or host something before. And really the only way to get this experience is by doing it. And, you know, I've told some people that have asked that question, is like, go on someone else's stream and just cast their stream and yeah. you know, just get used to it on your own.
3: Yeah, I mean, one of the things I did for... Uh my reel is i just got a bunch of uh video for games that i'd never worked but i just got a bunch of video and just start casting over it and then that was my reel <laughs> like i mean i'd never worked like a rainbow six event and i was like okay well i mean let's get some rainbow six footage let's just do some play-by-play um same thing for Fortnite. when i was doing Fortnite, i was like i never worked a Fortnite event but here's what we're gonna do i'm gonna cast some Fortnite video i see and see where that turns out and that turned out pretty well. Uh so I I can't complain. I got to do uh like TikTok's very first esports event with CSL and that was Fortnite. And that was Fortnite. Uh and it was just like okay, like those are the kind of opportunities that you can try to develop, but you're going to do a lot of work and you're not going to get paid sometimes. Like if it's not necessarily from a client, but just the work you do behind the scenes like when you're doing prep work, sometimes you're just doing prep work for your cast you're not getting paid for your cast, but you're going to have to put in some time in order to sound knowledgeable. And there's a lot of people out there I've seen who people say, Oh, well, it's an overnight success. And they're not, none of these people are overnight success. They've been doing so much work behind the scenes, so many hours, so much stuff where they weren't getting paid long hours of not getting a lot of views on their YouTube videos and things like that. Like that's the, that's the hustle. That's what you're going to have to do every day. And So even though I have been very, very fortunate to be able to do a lot of stuff in front of the camera as a host and things like that, you know, like you said, Oh, I see you doing like these Pokemon streams and videos. I don't get a lot of views on this stuff, but I know if I keep at it and I get better at it and you know, and I start building an audience, I can do this kind of stuff. I can open up booster packs of cards and be entertaining and maybe turn that into something real, but I got to work and I got to hustle and I got to take time to do it. And not only am I not getting paid for like this stuff, like I have to pay. <laughs> like, I've got to make sure that the editor is paid. I got to make sure that the graphic designers paid. I got to pay for the product. I got to pay for rent. I got to do all this stuff. So it's, um, but like I told you, scared money doesn't make money. You're going to have to take these chances and see what happens.
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think that's, you know, one of the biggest takeaways from, you know, your story is that you just have to take chances. And sometimes you have to just put yourself out there and, you know, as you see, it's kind of led you down on this path. So what's the future hold? Where are you kind of going from here?
3: Um, that's a good question. So it's, it's a little twofold, I guess. So part of me wants to focus more on the gambling side of esports. Uh, when I got to do some stuff with Venn and DraftKings, um, I really felt like I love this stuff. I love fantasy sports. I love esports. And this was like a really cool intersection of the two. So I'm still looking on that. I love collectibles and so I've been doing a lot of stuff uh, with NBA, top shot, learning more about NFTs, obviously Pokemon and basketball cards and things like that. Like personally, those are the kind of things that really excite me right now. Um, I'd obviously love to do more Dota. I love to do League of Legends. I, those are games that I just I love playing. I'm not great <laughs> by any means, but I just love just the action of those games. I love big team fights. I love the wombo combos. I love all that stuff. Um and that's that's where I'm going on the professional side for me as a brand, as a studio. We've got the stuff with UMG coming. We've got stuff with UGL. Uh we've got a couple other big clients uh that are looking at doing some stuff and so it's just a matter of we're, we're ramping that up, man. Like we've got some really cool show some cool show ideas that are kind of come from UGL. We've got some really fun uh esports stuff coming from umg and uh the studio is just going to continue to grow man like i said as soon as we're able to kind of get more people under the roof safely uh, we're going to just keep knocking out this content and because right now you know i want to be all day seven days a week i want to be doing content of something if it's not me it's somebody else here in the studio that we're recording for i want to start pumping stuff out of this bad boy in addition to doing the stuff that we do for other people
2: I mean, that's awesome. You know, content is king and, you know, I kind of like to end each episode and bring it all together with my three questions. So, you know, what's your favorite game to watch?
3: My favorite game to watch. Just trying to think. Um, like I was telling you, I really do MOBAs. I really love to watch because like when I watch magic, it's, it's different. Like I feel like I could be on the screen. Like I could be one of those people. And so it it doesn't have like the same mystique for me. Whereas like with league and Dota, like I know <laughs> there's no chance I would ever be that good. It's like watching the NBA. Like, I love basketball. I know I'm never dunking. So watching MOBAs is really where it's at. And the production level is so insane. So like like with Dota, when you have the international, it's just like, holy crap, it's just like on a whole nother level of stuff. Same thing for like when worlds for league, it's just like, dude, it's like everything. Like they're doing stuff on the production level I could never think of. They're doing stuff on the gaming side I could never think of. And I want to do that one day. Like, I want to be able to do, like, I've been able to do a minor uh, for Dota, which was awesome. Loved being able to do it. Now I want to be able to do a major. And speaking of working for free, I was like, yeah, they had a, a a major that was in Disneyland. And I was like, come on, I will work for free. I don't care. <laughs> like, I just want to be there. I just want to be at a major working. Um, and, you know, League is another game that I would love to do more in. And, uh, but yeah, like those are the games. I love the big team fights. I love the casters. OD Pixel is like my favorite caster in the world um, just because he's so humble, but he's so good at what he does. He can see everything and then he can spit it out. He is like the, the MOBA rap god. And it is just when it comes to being, you know, uh, a play by play guy, he is my favorite. And then, you got golden boy who is my favorite host i mean between him and lottie it's hard but you know i love golden boy because he can be a host he can be a play-by-play he can be an analyst he can be a uh a a stage host he could be anything you need him to be and that's really who i've emulated my whole career after and i was lucky enough at an awards banquet he was like getting like like a lifetime achievement award right before i spoke and i got to go up there and be like you know I'm hoping to be, you know, Golden Boy 2.0 and, you know, but if I stay up here too long, he'll take another job from me. So I got to get back to work because <laughs> he's just, he's just great at what he does. So, um, but yeah, like I know I, we're talking about my favorite game, but I got to throw out that love to my favorite casters too.
2: Okay. So now what's your favorite game to play?
3: I mean, favorite game is magic. I mean, that's not even close. Um, I love card games, uh, games that are like card games like TFT, Dota Underlords, those kind of things. Original auto chess. Those are my things. Um, I was, you know, I got to play in Twitch rivals for magic. That was fun. And, uh, I'm hoping to be able to get things with the business in a, <laughs> to a certain point when I can start gaming again, because it's been over the last six months, man, it has been really hard to actually get to play video games. Um, I miss being able to play Madden a lot. I uh, mean, my brother used to grow up playing that. And, uh, but yeah, like if I could pick a game, I was going to be a professional at like today, Um, I mean, I would definitely pick a MOBA if I could, um, but my heart would be like, man, I really want to be, and people always think magic, but no, I would love to be a Madden pro because I would love to just, just beat the brakes off people (laughs) in Madden. It's just a good feeling.
2: Awesome. So who's your favorite video game character?
3: My favorite video game character is probably Mario. Like me and Mario, we go way back. We go way back to Donkey Kong when before everybody knew that it was even Mario <laughs> like, and super Mario brothers three was a game that I just spent well between two and three, like I spent so much time playing that game and trying to get everything out of it. And then super Mario brothers two, I went back, you know, to play a lot of that. Um, I did also play a lot of mega man. Uh, like that's another game that I just adore mega man. Uh, but I, I definitely think it's, it's super Mario brothers.
2: Okay. Awesome. You know, thank you so much for joining us. This was extremely insightful. So tell everybody where they can find you.
3: Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's pretty easy to, uh, find me and uh, it's Reforge and it's R E F O R G G. Uh, and that's how you can find me on, uh, TikTok. You can find me there on Twitter and, you know, all that good stuff on IG. And then on Twitter, I mean, I'll see on Twitch, it's Reforge studios. And uh, yeah, man, it's been it's been a ride. Thanks for having me on. And hopefully, you know, I can get one of these banger 300,000 view videos on TikTok again without having Snoop Dogg and Marshawn Lynch in it. <laughs> but until then, I'm gonna take it Have the right Pokemon
2: card. You never That's know. right.
3: Let me poke let me get one of these $500,000 cards like uh, Jake Paul does. So but no, thank you for having me on.
2: You know, it was amazing. So, you know, thanks, everybody, again, for tuning in. And make sure to follow me on Twitter, Jesq, and check Apple Podcasts for all our past episodes.
3: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.
4: Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network.